Chapter Eight of My Life: The Story of a Provincial by Anton Chekhov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Eight. On returning home late one evening from Maria Viktorovna's, I found waiting in my room a young police inspector in a new uniform he was sitting at my table looking through my books at last he said getting up and stretching himself this is the third time i have been to you the governor commands you to present yourself before him at nine o'clock in the morning without fail he took from me a signed statement that i would act upon his excellency's command and went away this late visit of the police inspector and unexpected invitation to the governor's had an overwhelmingly oppressive effect upon me from my earliest childhood i have felt terror-stricken in the presence of gendarmes policemen and law court officials and now i was tormented by uneasiness as though i were really guilty in some way and i could not get to sleep my nurse and prokofy were also upset and could not sleep my nurse had earache too she moaned and several times began crying with pain hearing that i was awake prokofy came into my room with a lamp and sat down at the table you ought to have a drink of pepper cordial he said after a moment's thought if one does have a drink in this vale of tears it does no harm and if mamma were to pour a little pepper cordial in her ear it would do her a lot of good between two and three he was going to the slaughter-house for the meat i knew i should not sleep till morning now and to get through the time till nine o'clock i went with him we walked with a lantern while his boy nikolka aged thirteen with blue patches on his cheeks from frostbites a regular young brigand to judge by his expression drove after us in the sledge urging on the horse in a husky voice i suppose they will punish you at the governor's prokofy said to me on the way there are rules of the trade for governors and rules for the higher clergy and rules for the officers and rules for the doctors and every class has its rules but you haven't kept your rules and you can't be allowed the slaughter-house was behind the cemetery until then i had only seen it in the distance it consisted of three gloomy barns surrounded by a grey fence and when the wind blew from that quarter on hot days in summer it brought a stifling stench from them now going into the yard in the dark i did not see the barns i kept coming across horses and sledges some empty some loaded up with meat men were walking about with lanterns swearing in a disgusting way prokofy and nikolka swore just as revoltingly and the air was in a continual uproar with swearing coughing and the neighing of horses there was a smell of dead bodies and of dung it was thawing the snow was changing into mud and in the darkness it seemed to me that i was walking through pools of blood having piled up the sledges full of meat we set off to the butcher's shop in the market it began to get light cooks with baskets and elderly ladies in mantles came along one after another prokofy with a chopper in his hand and a white apron spattered with blood swore fearful oaths crossed himself at the church shouted aloud for the whole market to hear that he was giving away the meat at cost price and even at a loss to himself he gave short weight and short change the cooks saw that but deafened by his shouts did not protest and only called him a hangman brandishing and bringing down his terrible chopper he threw himself into picturesque attitudes and each time uttered the sound gack with a ferocious expression 
and i was afraid he really would chop off somebody's head or hand i spent all the morning in the butcher's shop and when at last i went to the governor's my overcoat smelt of meat and blood my state of mind was as though i were being sent spear in hand to meet a bear i remember the tall staircase with a striped carpet on it and the young official with shiny buttons who mutely motioned me to the door with both hands and ran to announce me i went into a hall luxuriously but frigidly and tastelessly furnished and the high narrow mirrors in the spaces between the walls and the bright yellow window curtains struck the eye particularly unpleasantly one could see that the governors were changed but the furniture remained the same again the young official motioned me with both hands to the door and i went up to a big green table at which a military general with the order of vladimir on his breast was standing mr polosnov i have asked you to come he began holding a letter in his hand and opening his mouth like a round o i have asked you to come here to inform you of this your highly respected father has appealed by letter and by word of mouth to the marshal of the nobility begging him to summon you and to lay before you the inconsistency of your behaviour with the rank of the nobility to which you have the honour to belong his excellency alexander pavlovitch justly supposing that your conduct might serve as a bad example and considering that mere persuasion on his part would not be sufficient but that official intervention in earnest was essential presents me here in this letter with his views in regard to you which i share he said this quietly respectfully standing erect as though i were his superior officer and looking at me with no trace of severity his face looked worn and wizened and was all wrinkles there were bags under his eyes his hair was dyed and it was impossible to tell from his appearance how old he was forty or sixty i trust he went on that you appreciate the delicacy of our honoured alexander pavlovitch who has addressed himself to me not officially but privately i too have asked you to come here unofficially and i am speaking to you not as a governor but from a sincere regard for your father and so i beg you either to alter your line of conduct and return to duties in keeping with your rank or to avoid setting a bad example remove to another district where you are not known and where you can follow any occupation you please in the other case i shall be forced to take extreme measures he stood for half a minute in silence looking at me with his mouth open are you a vegetarian he asked no your excellency i eat meat he sat down and drew some papers towards him i bowed and went out it was not worth while now to go to work before dinner i went home to sleep but could not sleep from an unpleasant sickly feeling induced by the slaughter-house and my conversation with the governor and when the evening came i went gloomy and out of sorts to maria victorovna i told her how i had been at the governor's while she stared at me in perplexity as though she did not believe it then suddenly began laughing gaily loudly irrepressibly as only good-natured laughter-loving people can if only one could tell that in petersburg she brought out almost falling over with laughter and propping herself against the table if one could tell that in petersburg End of chapter eight recording by expatriate in bangor maine